0: everyone and welcome to the killer heart club we are your hosts and club presidents penelope and i'm cronin in this podcast we discuss cases of couples who share a dangerous passion murder Murder. good enough (laughs) episodes of the show will be released every other week where we your hosts, will take turns focusing on an individual case of couples who kill Now, just a side note for everyone, we are recording this remotely, so sometimes you will hear maybe a slight buzz, maybe we will sound like a robot. Unfortunately, it just happens while recording over Wi-Fi. It sucks. Um, We're also brand new to podcasting, so please just take her easy on us, please. We are both incredibly passionate about creating this podcast. We love it. We're having fun. It's just a fun little task we're doing also. Also, if you have any comments or suggestions for us on how to make this show better for you, the listener, we'll be plugging our social media at the end of the show. So just pay attention then. Today, Cronin is telling me a story and I'm really excited because I have no idea what she's going (laughs) to tell me. Yeah, we actually kind of planned the three episodes. So we kind of had an idea of what we were going to tell each other. But today is like a real official episode. So I am completely clueless.
1: You are completely in the dark and I purposefully left you that way because Mm -hmm. today we are going to be talking about a more historic case, which you know me, I love history. So I went for something that happened way back when in the 1800s. Damn. Yep. So we're going to go all the way back to the story of John and Sarah Macon. All right.
0: I have no fucking clue, but... No, you do not. <laughs> let's
1: let's dive okay. into it. Okay, so John Macon and Sarah Jane Macon, originally Sarah Jane Sutcliffe, were both born in 1845. So what happened in 1845? Let me tell All you. Right.
0: All right, because I have no idea. I
1: know the War of 1812,
0: but we're in 45. So. Close.
1: <laughs> okay, so this, this event... On February 7th in 1845, a unique and priceless, obviously irreplaceable vase, the Portland Vase, thought to be as old as first century BC, was shattered into more than 80 pieces by a drunken visitor, his name is William Lloyd, to the British Museum. So Lloyd... Through a sculpted stone exhibit. Well, that was
0: probably before they like, put anything like behind behind glass or like they were just like, Yeah, people can come in and like they'll be cool about it. They won't touch
1: it. Uh meanwhile they're like letting drunk idiots in. So literally the next thing I was gonna say is Lloyd threw a sculpted stone exhibit, a sculpture at the glass cabinet, which held the artifact. <laughs> Oh, so it was behind glass. Yes, it was. About it. Yes. So, in the 1800s, things are definitely behind glass. Like they had glass exhibits and stuff everywhere, all set up in the museum for sure. But this guy just came in with, like, he must have grabbed a sculpture that was in the museum. Like he must have grabbed something that was on display in the museum already and threw it at the glass cabinet which held the artifact. So he'd apparently been drinking for several days and was absolutely hammered when he threw the sculpture Uh, when he later appeared in court for offense he was charged with causing willful damage but his lawyers argued that the law by which he was being prosecuted only applied to destruction of objects worth no more than five pounds and as a result of this successful argument by the lawyer he was convicted only of destroying the glass case and fined three pounds so he wasn't convicted because of destroying the vase was priceless because it was priceless rather than <laughs> yeah so there was like a loop rather than having like if it was priced at six, six pounds, pounds he would have been
0: charged more oh yeah
1: my God. well he would have been able to be charged with this with this charge but
0: i remember like remember when
1: that uh jesus painting
0: the jesus fresca? was
1: yeah jesus yes fresco?
0: got destroyed What yes. happened did that did that um custodian get charged i don't know
1: i actually never followed up with it i should have but i never no, followed I've up looked, with
0: it i've looked at that like new drawing of it so many times but like <laughs> yeah i have no idea what happened
1: yeah that restoration process did the opposite of what it was <laughs> no
0: to do. i kind of want like a print of it for like my wall it's beautiful. yeah the new
1: one not the original the yeah the new
0: one oh for of sure the new one. it's beautiful
1: Back to back to John Macon, and you're gonna want to know about John Macon. He was born on the 14th of February in Dapto, I believe it's Dapto, uh, New South Wales, in Australia. Okay. So this this whole thing takes place in Australia. I'm not sure if I had mentioned that, but I'll mention it now. He was the fourth of eleven children. Oh wow. So big family. Yeah. His parents were William Samuel Macon, a farmer, and Ellen Selina. Uh, i didn't find her maiden name um it's out there i don't remember seeing it no it's probably not
0: out there because she's a woman
1: oh you know what maybe you're right <laughs> That's it was the totally 1800s. viable sarah uh Makin was born on the 20th of december in sydney to emmanuel sutcliffe a former convict turned miller an irish-born wife ellen her maiden name was murphy Sarah Sutcliffe became Sarah Edwards when she married Charles Edwards, a mariner, whom she met in Sydney. They were married on the 29th of August, 1865, and had one daughter together. Eventually, they separated, and Sarah meets and marries John Macon, a Drayman. Do you know what a Drayman is? I had no idea before no idea. Okay, so a person Wait, let me guess. Okay. No, no, sure. no, 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 let okay. me, guess. Let me sure, guess. Sure. guess. Sure, Yeah. Drayman, okay. spell it. Uh, drayman is d-r-a-y-m-a-n drayman yeah drayman Uh, think think old-timey jobs old-timey jobs
0: okay so it's not a job that still exists 1800s
1: well it kind of still exists but it's yeah not like this type of job anymore
0: um they cleaned the gutters of Farms and only farms.
1: <laughs> it's, it's specifically a good guess, but not what a drayman is. Damn. Do you want okay, me to tell you know it? It's a person who delivers beer for a brewery. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> it actually is pretty cool. So that's what he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on the twenty seventh of August, eighteen seventy one, that's when John Macon and uh, Sarah get married all right john and sarah would have five sons and five daughters together in australia at the turn of the century being a single mother was frowned upon and to have a child out of wedlock would have resulted in you know crazy social ridicule Uh, and the mother would absolutely have to bear the brunt of all of the disapproval pregnancy was obviously more difficult to avoid in the 1800s right like right uh, and abortion clinics really weren't safe or around Even Mm -hmm. when you were able to get to such a clinic, the procedures were unsafe and unsanitary to say the least. Woman ran into enormously high risk of dying or with a huge risk of infection and future complications. And because of this, the practice of baby minding became a business model that would be quite profitable to people who were picking this up. Can we explain what that is? So, it's almost like a home for children who are not necessarily unwanted, just not manageable for the woman to care for. It was a place where women could place their child in the care of like a child minder who had a nursery okay. and a staff to care for the babies.
0: Kind of like a, like a, maybe like a foster home or some type of housing thing, kind of almost similar to what happens today, but like, yeah. So. I,
1: I so it's not like a adoption agency. I would say you're right. It's more like a foster home because uh, for a weekly or a monthly fee, the baby would be cared for and the parents of the child or just the parent, whichever, because usually it's a- illegitimate, right? Like, so it's usually just the mom or whatever. Could they would visit them whenever they wanted as discreetly as they wanted. And as the child aged, they could be introduced back to the home as a distant niece or a nephew and the child could be returned to the family without the stigma of it being like a bastard or the mother's a whore or whatever. So instead of Mm -hmm. the mother being like, Oh, adopting my child out, I'm going to keep it at this place. And then I'm going to take it back when it's old enough. Right. So that became a profitable business because the, the people who are caring for the children would charge a fee to the parent. Mm -hmm. They would pay the fee and then they would take the child back.
0: It's it's like 24-hour daycare for like months and weeks on end. If not years and
1: years. Yeah. Okay. So some women who ran these houses were honest and just wanted to care for people's babies. Others used it as an opportunity to make money. So they would sell the babies to childless couples looking for easier adoption processes than through the regular agencies. And take the money and hide the transaction from the original parent. They could also take the mother's money for the care and then let the child live in a horrid squalor environment and eventually die of st- starvation, neglect, or disease, and just either never tell the parent or, you know, mm-hmm. tell them lies until they stopped asking. Or baby minding-, minding could be an opportunity for murder. And these infant killers became known as baby farmers damn yeah oh yeah it's very heavy so after john macon suffered an accident uh at work i i don't know what kind of accident he could have suffered where he couldn't be a beer delivery man anymore but whatever the accident was the macons turned to baby minding in order to earn an income they had they have all Mm -hmm. these children right like they do have to make a living it's not like their children are super young but they're young enough where they still have to make money. Yeah, they're not moving out anytime
0: soon.
1: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So a common practice they would use to obtain children is John would answer an advertisement, negotiate a payment of three to five pounds and sign some papers. I'm sure he made these papers himself, exonerating the father of the child from any responsibility. So that would kind of absolve Mm -hmm. anybody from having to come back and check on the child or whatever. The Macons would even accept babies that institutions legitimately equipped to care for them were uh, reluctant to take. So that could have been a deliberate thing because they would just die quickly and easily with less questions because they're already difficult to care for. Say if they already had like an illness or whatever, and an institution was like, oh, no, I don't want to touch that baby. It's too much to care for. Mm -hmm. The family would then move often often leaving places with rent owing on apartments and just taking off at any given moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, you are already depressing me. So.
1: I know, it's hard this is a hard one. This is a really hard one. One specific instance of this happening is the case of Horace Murray. Amber Murray, 18 years old at the time, placed an ad in the Sydney Morning Herald in search for a mother to care for her illegitimate child, Horace. So think of this, you're 18 years old, placing an ad because you don't really want to get rid of your child, but it's illegitimate, right? You can't have the stigma. So Amber offered to pay child support expenses and the Macons replied to this with the offer of caring for Horace in exchange for 10 shillings per week. So Amber would give them 10 shillings in order to care for Horace. The person who accepted Amber's upfront payments of three pounds was actually Blanche Macon, their daughter. Blanche was also the one to pick up the baby from Amber. Okay. Amber continued to pay child support and the Macons continued to collect. But when Amber asked to visit Horace, John would make excuses as to why she couldn't see him. Eventually, she grew suspicious and went to visit unannounced the address that they provided to her and found that the Macons were already gone when she had arrived to their house. That sucks. Yeah. And you're just probably more than rattled at that point. Shaken just looking and for your baby and
0: yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah
1: poor girl on october 11th 1892 in the backyard of a home in burn street McDonaldtown, town a worker named john hanoni i think it's hanoni i hope it's hanoni
0: oh it can't uh, be worse than my like russia episode oh so. It's,
1: it's so hard but okay so james hanoni was clearing an underground drain he uncovered two bundles of foul-smelling foul, <laughs> foul clothing, and when he removed it, he discovered the decomposing remains of two infants. He called the police immediately, and upon further examination of the backyard, the police uncovered the corpses of another five infants in various parts of the backyard. Using tenancy records, investigators traced the Macons who moved again to Chippendale, not only were John and Sarah arrested but also their four daughters. Okay. So the ages of these daughters is Florence 17, Clarice 16, Blanche 14 and Daisy 11. Though only John and Sarah were ever char- actually formally charged with anything. So the daughters were arrested and considered to have helped in some way, though it's okay. not really clear like how- to what degree each of them mm-hmm. participated. The police investigated 11 backyards where the Macons had lived since 1890 and recovered 13 bodies in all.
0: Oh my God. Ba- baby Babies. bodies.
1: Baby bodies, yeah. Little tiny baby bodies. Uh, yeah, damn. terrible. Uh, the damn. coroners were nev- never able to identify quite a few of the bodies or establish causes of death for the infants. No evidence of poison or violence or anything and because of this the Macons were only charged for the deaths of the bodies that could be identified that of the illegitimate child of Minnie Davis and Horace Bottomley Horace Murray so the son of Amber Murray and one unknown infant at, as there was ample testimony against the Macons in that particular case and they found the jury found them both guilty of murder but recommended mercy for Sarah
0: okay why
1: well I don't It's not really clear. I'm pretty sure she would have been able to give testimony that she maybe was going along with things, especially if John was to say like, oh, she was just going along with my plans, blah, blah, blah. And it was the 1800s, like, you know, women aren't really seen to have brains of their own. (laughs) So she was (laughs) probably seen as maybe a willing accomplice or something. So during the trial, the Macon's own daughters testified against them. Sixteen-year-old Clarice testified that she recognized the clothing recovered from one of the babies previously in custody of her mother. And 11-year-old Daisy testified that two young girls came with them to McDonaldtown, but not Horace. So it kind of just solidified the fact that they had gotten rid of these babies. John Mm -hmm. Macon was hanged on the 15th of August, 1893 in Sydney. Sarah Sentes was commuted to penal servitude for life, which was to be served at Bathurst and in Sydney. Her daughters petitioned for her early release in 1907 and again in 1911. And in April of that year, she was discharged from the state reformatory for a woman at Long Bay to the care of her daughter Florence. This was granted because of her age and declining health. And Mother Macon, as she was known, died on the 13th of September, 1918, at Merrickville and buried in the Rockwood Cemetery. And Damn. that is the story of John and Sarah Macon, the baby farmers. Oh
0: my God. That is bleak. That... So
1: dark and bleak.
0: That was not a nice story.
1: Cromwell. No, no, I'm sorry. But it had to be told. It's historic. It's uh kind of shows the climate of the time. Like I can't really believe that certain things like that were able to, you were able to get away with that because of how, the social climate was like you were more embarrassed to be called a whore than to find out where your baby went if your baby minders were like oh it's it got sick like you can't see it anymore yeah like you can't call the police you can't you know whatever
0: but yeah I wonder if in Australia also I mean I I've never been I don't know much but Maybe that was a threat when you were like acting up. is like gonna send you to the baby farmers if you don't smart enough. <laughs> oh,
1: like no? a par- like a parental threat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I know that the baby farming thing was going on pretty much everywhere in the eighteen hundreds, mm-hmm. and you know what? Probably earlier than that too, because mm-hmm. it's just yeah. Ha- <laughs> the Christianity is one of those things <laughs> that yes. um you know images everything and you know morality is everything so there are always opportunities and there's always opportunities to make money so yeah uh when a gruesome thing like this comes up it's horrifying but not surprising so Yeah. yeah that's and that's that story
0: if you like our show please find us on twitter or instagram at killer hearts club pod we'd also love to hear from you via email at killerheartsclub at gmail.com we'd also love to hear stories of terrible dates that you've been on or terrible like tinder interactions we want to hear it we want to either like laugh at you or give like really terrible advice or anything or great advice you never know yeah great (laughs) advice who knows um if you've been on dates with like someone who you think is a sociopath um, even it doesn't even have to be you, like your grandma. If she went on a date with a serial killer, like we want to hear about it, we want to know. Yes, send that in. Oh, you might be featured on an episode. We'll talk about it, we'll laugh. It'll be great, please. Killerheartsclub at Also, we do this podcast on our own time, it's fun, it's completely funded by ourselves. So, if you want to find us on Patreon as well, that'd be beautiful.
1: Please help us improve our sound quality.
0: Yes. Please help us buy better quality
1: Wi-Fi. Please help us soundproof our rooms. (laughs) Thanks for listening. See you later.